so that's that's how you're forced to think and i think part of it is because the entire field glorifies this idea of not having comfort comfort kya matlab sustenance is also considered a luxury Welcome back to the Desi Academia podcast. I am Meg uh, and I am joined once again by uh, Vatsal and Aditya um, from the East Coast. Uh, Hi guys. Hello. <laughs> after a great deal of negotiating and uh, overcoming the torture of daylight savings time, we yeah. found another time slot to uh, reconvene. This is our Goa planning. Hai. You know, like how everyone plans to go to Goa and like... जैसे कभी मिलता नहीं है टाइम स्लॉट जाने को कभी एज एन एक्सेप्ट वी हैव टू डू दिस एवरी मंथ द रियल वेस्ट कोस्ट ऑफ इंडिया गोवा ओके इनसाइड जोक या आदित्य यू वांट यू वर सेइंग समथिंग अबाउट बेंगलोर before we started yeah yeah so i think the last recording i was just mentioning this the joke is that i saw somewhere on twitter the other day Bangalore techie saying that uh, you know we are like the west coast of India. <laughs> so, like उसमे दो फैक्चुअल एरर्स है ना वेस्ट में है ना कोस्ट में है ना जहां से जिस शहर की कॉपी बनने की कोशिश है और इन अदर वर्ड्स बैंगलोर द पुणे ऑफ चेन्नई दैट इज वॉट आई कॉल बैंगलोर टेक्निकली वही है मतलब ओरिजिन स्टोरी उसका ऐसे ही है वेरी सिमिलर ओरिजिन स्टोरी लाइक रिटायरमेंट सिटी फॉर चेन्नई पीपल फॉर अ लॉन्ग टाइम इज बैंगलोर retirement city for bombay wala's pune for long time kafi similar city ka profiles aise dekho to trajectories bhi bahut similar hai so this episode um, we thought uh, we would um, talk about something that uh, is worth thinking about uh, as we as our semesters come to a close um, academia and mental health acha time hai i'm sure everyone's uh, scrambling to get their funding uh, trying to figure out if they're ready to graduate yeah. or not and uh, you know this is the time where uh, our uh, respective departments and uh, um, those in power will uh, give give us uh, resources uh, telling us what to do and also the time when the world remind capitalist societies remind you that you don't have enough money to indulge in thanksgiving black friday sales okay. yeah <laughs> That I still went out. <laughs> It's just that my hobbies happen to be extremely garib, so mm. I can afford them. <laughs> I literally did not buy anything because obviously cannot afford anything. You mean, like, what you have to buy, you cannot afford, and a lot of junk then you end up buying, which is not of use. Yeah. And then regret is there. So very apt timing uh, for the episode, though. I mean, mm. uh, seasonal disorder, uh, depression just sets in. around this time so yeah around the end of november ha that, that is a post kon bola tha is baat mein ja ke rehne ke liye but one good thing about academia is wo depression ko seasonal bhi nahi karta hai throughout the year extend karne ke liye matlab it then makes it thoda thoda sa usme upar niche hota rehta hai baki nahi hota hai but basal levels wo leke aa jata hai that is very true academia keeping your serotonin levels consistent lo <laughs> consistently low <laughs> so what's all right. tell us about your about your fortnight we've been ah, okay yeah so past couple of weeks have been like uh, yeah, they have been very very crazy and very stressful mostly because i mean um i was trying to look for a new accommodation a new apartment and as a um, international student in a city which is very very new to you it becomes very difficult because first of all as and uh, as some 
as a student you don't really make much money you don't make any money and you are not considered an employee and on top of that i mean you don't really have any guarantors because you usually do not know anybody in that city right so it just becomes very very difficult to find a new apartment just like that right and so then there are problems with landlords i mean when you go find something there are crazy like uh, uh, situations that you have to deal with like i mean giving 3 months of deposit which is by law it's not legal but you have to do it because you are a student and imagine doing that when you um, don't make any money so like you take loans to give your deposit and find a, a accommodation where you can just like live and all this goes on when the lab work your university your classes your assignments are like going on there's no uh, the deadlines are still there uh, the labs and experiments are going on on full full steam so there is no respite on that end either so i mean yeah at times it can get stressful um, and usually i mean i don't know about you you guys in your universities but in my university i mean there is like a mental health office where you can go and talk about these things but like aditya mentioned in our previous attempt to record i mean there's really no i mean effort at grassroots to like mention the or, or, or like improve situations for students so it takes a to- toll on your mental health for sure <laughs> yeah how is it going with you guys <laughs> i think i wanted to just add on like if meg wants to go first no no go ahead and right yeah okay so i think i had a similar experience early this year like uh, somewhere around march and april like I was looking for housing had roughly the same experience like the boston area housing prices are really expensive like it's and an international postdoc again you are expected to work at all times because i don't think the lab has accounts for anything like like no housing gets paid for as usual so it's not very different to the issues that you face as a phd and plus there is no unionization of postdocs so wow okay the problem is many fold in that front so there is no international postdoc union or anything so so you get paid basically slightly above the nih guidelines and and in in my university again the issue is that the nih guidelines are just that guidelines so they don't pay you even that is not adhered to so if you were hired on the previous nih guideline and something changed in between as an international postdoc because the visa documentation has a certain amount on it and never changes right. in the middle of it <laughs> so it like till the end of the third year so and it all depends on whether the advisor has enough money to pay you because the eventually if the nih guidelines say that the postdoc salaries have to go up by x it has to come through the grants right so essentially i had the same issue like very often i was look, even when the landlord had agreed to in principle show me the apartment they would then ask for pay slips for the last 3 months and then tell me okay you don't have yeah. <laughs> 3x the salary so either you need again a guarantor which is hard to find if you do not have family support systems in the us mm-hmm. or basically that's the only other way is either you agree to give a very heavy deposit first up which is not legal Yeah. same issue and then if you do not have a support supportive group ecosystem mm-hmm. then the problem is that there is no respite right like you can't just say that okay i'm taking a week off for looking for housing mm-hmm. so then just managing time like even so i had a, a lab mate of mine i had had a similar issue so when he was moving initially so he fell for this craigslist scam and the reason one falls for a scam like this is because you are pushed to the brink yeah and he found a deal which looked very good online and then he kept asking for the apartment to be shown and that person kept saying yeah yeah so there is renovation going on so and they kept delaying it by a week and then they said okay you really have to pay this before i show you the apartment because otherwise it will go very quickly so person ended up paying one month's rent and then this guy asked for the second month's rent and he paid that as well before so called showing happened they never showed and this is early in the postdoc where you have basically nothing in your account right it's like two months of rent gone and then no money left for the rest of the year and the and the university or the group never supports it so the only thing that he could hear from the university was that okay we'll we have very good rates with lawyers so why don't you hire a lawyer like who pays for the lawyer basically no effort to address these actual issues which is essentially 
for a PhD or a postdoc. So you still have to be paid at least decent enough amounts which account for the neighborhood that you live in. That's fundamentally not addressed. Yeah, housing in the US, um, there are there are obvious uh, scamsters and 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 predators who are um, constantly uh, you know attacking uh, attacking people for uh, these cash grab uh, schemes um the uh, the other like uh, more legal and less obvious uh, scam is um if 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 one is uh, renting a property through a third party uh, renting company uh, there there's usually a whole bunch of hidden charges a whole bunch of monthly charges which which are completely arbitrary and um it's it's very it's totally legal for them to charge for whatever say for example uh, my housing um, it's a it was taken over by a new company uh, about uh, 6 months ago and since that um, since they took over um, i have to pay charges uh, for um, covered parking even though i don't own a car and our property does not have covered parking i i there's things like uh, community beautification uh, charges again nothing all they did was do a fresh coat of paint and there are like eight such charges which get uh, listed and they're all usually 2 to 3 dollar 5 dollar 10 dollar but but it adds up to a significant chunk which i have to account for every month hmm. and uh, when one is applying or when one is uh, looking at a property the only thing that they tell you is uh, the monthly rent the hmm. other uh, thing that one have to, has to keep in mind um, when one is applying to uh, different um, uh, apartment complexes um, there's usually an application fee right which is a, a very lucrative way for them to make money you don't get it yeah. back and an application fee has to be paid for each tenant right and so if five people are applying for a single apartment that means that they get money from all of those five people right and uh, right so when in case anyone is listening and you know if you are trying to plan your finances just remember to add like a 10% for all of these crazy um, things that uh, that will be charged yeah, not to mention things like renters insurance and like the liability that's on you if if you can't get renters insurance and again like renters insurance is like such a thing it's it literally <laughs> there is nothing that the that that is kitna uh, bhi no matter how much they ch- say that you are uh, insured for it comes it's just a it's a cash grabbing scheme because getting that money out if something actually happens to your property is crazy things that you you might actually stand to lose if your apartment got uh, got uh, got looted are things that money cannot replace so things like your passport and you know other documents right so uh, yeah just uh, there is no kind of security that actually gets provided but yeah these ch- these charges are yeah it, it's a real it's a real scam even the things that they say that you know like you are covered for i mean the deductibles are so high to bring your monthly <laughs> Uh, pay uh, uh, charges to a bare minimum it's like it's so like, i mean we don't we don't have a job so like we those deductibles of ten thousand five thousand dollars it's not something that we could do just like that it's like i think most international like most academics in general like at, at, at the phd postdoc level run on fumes essentially so you are hmm. very close to being bankrupt at all times and and e- even a flight yeah. back home right it basically takes away all of the savings that you had for a year so mit raised its postdoc salaries by like 10k okay so okay. so they raised their mean to basic guideline to 65k which is a good 10k above the nih guideline now mm-hmm. but again in the same neighborhood the other elite institutions in the neighborhood don't pay as much so i wonder how long will it be sustainable for other institutes in the same region to not yeah. account for this cost of living in the neighborhood like it's crazy expensive right so anywhere around boston if you don't want to do like a 3 hour commute you essentially mm-hmm. ending and and a city which doesn't really have a good public transport network outside of the three main metro lines right so to <laughs> यूनिवर्सिटी के बगल में घर मिलेगा नहीं मिलेगा यू हैव टू गेट समथिंग दैट इज वेरी फार अवे एंड यू आर एक्सपेक्टेड टू हैव अ कार और और सबसे और सबसे अपसर्ड चीज ये है कि यूनिवर्सिटी हाउसिंग इज मोर एक्सपेंसिव देन व्हाट पोस्टडॉक सैलरी पेस यू तो तो व्हाट इज द पॉइंट ऑफ इट बीइंग यूनिवर्सिटी हाउसिंग मतलब मैं क्या अनलेस यू गेट दोस वो ऐसे फ्लैट हाउस टाइप का वेयर यू शेयर वन रूम विद 10 डिफरेंट पीपल व्हिच इज basically not this is this is one bit where indian universities are more humane 
at least the big institutions are way more humane than American universities. So, कोई भी आके चल के आके ये बोलता है कि चलो JNU को X बना दो Y बना दो just by ऐसे increase कर दो ना rate hostel का rate X बना दो मतलब dorm ऐसे हो जाना चाहिए fees ऐसे हो जाना चाहिए one has to realize how privileged people like us have to be in order to be able to go through all of this because it's the privilege that allows us to go through all of this. Like True. I think one has to admit to that first up. Yeah, like, and so. even with uh, and, even if you look at an institution um, like JNU, um, hmm. the uh, area that uh, that surrounds JNU, and it's this is not just a pro, this is not just a JNU specific example. This is true for many many universities. There are usually illegal housings all uh, uh, housing all, all around. around a university. And IIT Bombay uh, very similar. इसका रीजन यही है कि एक 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 यूएस इंस्टीट्यूशन में द डिफरेंस इज दैट समवन लाइक मी एंड समवन हु से वर्क्स इन द कॉफी शॉप एट ऑन द ऑन द यूनिवर्सिटी बुलेवार्ड वी आर मेकिंग समेरेबल अमाउंट ऑफ मनी एंड वी आर लिविंग इन अ इन अ कॉम्परेबल यू नो आर लिविंग सिचुएशन आर वेरी कॉम्परेबल right and so both me and because of the privilege that uh, that being able to come to a us institution uh, provides me both of these are like are for for us to focus on work and uh, be productive in an indian university uh, a a university student who is inside the uh, institute's uh, housing and the worker who who could be working in a in a you know in, in a dhaba or a or a tapri inside the institute is basically living in the illegal uh, tenement that is right outside for somebody who complains about how jnu students are like paying such little rent what they don't realize is that technically a phd student in india in many institutions is not allowed to work you are you are not allowed to have uh, to be gainfully employed outside your university and you get a stipend because under the assumption that you know since you are not allowed to work you are being given a certain uh, amount of uh, money in order to sustain yourself and your living is being taken care of because you are because there is a calculation based on how on cost of living um, in a city and um, when uh, we we still have a lot of students who who are uh, painfully aware of how this uh, amount of money is not enough to take care of medical expenses it's not uh, it's not enough to take care of um, buying expensive academic books that your library simply does not have the funds to buy or getting uh, getting a computer that can actually you know help you help you with your research the, a lot of these are coming out of a, a student's own pocket aur usko sustain karne ke liye uh, like agar wo agar aap wo 150 rupees ya 200 rupees ka uh, rented accommodation ka baat kar rahe ho just that it's because all of the rest the rest of the money that the student has is being used to take care of expenses that that they are never going to get reimbursed uh, But, uh, in the correct wo way. 150 200 bhi actually ek myth hai people are not just paying 150 200 because a whole lot is paid through the mess fees so let's say in my campus so while on paper it used to look like ye 500 rupees dete hain ya 1000 rupees dete hain but the whole lot over 6 months is like a significant chunk it's not any less like mess ka expenses used to accrue and then it just becomes a big number तो ये जो मीडिया कवरेज जो है ना कि 150 रुपीस पर रूम का कुछ होता है दैट्स आल्सो लाइक अ जस्ट टू क्रिएट दिस परसेप्शन दैट इट्स फ्री बीज एंड द अदर थिंग इज एज यू सेड सो इन आर कैंपस व्हाट नाम ही बोल देता हूँ पवई इज एन एक्सपेंसिव नेबरहुड ऑफ बॉम्बे राइट सो पवई हैज टू साइड्स देर इज हीरा नंदनी पवई विच इज रियली लाइक first world cost of lavish okay. <laughs> bombay is one of the most expensive cities in the world so and plus pavai is like the elite niche right <laughs> and restaurants are expensive everything is expensive and then right next to iit bombay is this fulenagar slum which is again the extreme other end of matlab lack of privilege and then right opposite the campus is again a bunch of these illegal tenements and then uh, places which have created an ecosystem because kya hota hai ki when the when you submit your thesis right you don't have your hostel anymore so the essentially you get 4 months from the point that you submit your thesis uh, and you don't get to keep it once you defend you have to vacate it within 15 days 
एंड फॉर अ होल लॉट ऑफ स्टूडेंट्स दिस इज नॉट रियली फीजिबल क्योंकि क्या होता है कि इवन आफ्टर यू हैव डिफेंडेड यू आर इन द ग्रुप फॉर अ वाइल राइट लाइक यू आर लुकिंग फॉर पोस्ट डॉक पोजिशन यू आर ऑल्सो ट्राइंग टू फिनिश अप सम वर्क द यूनिवर्सिटी डजेंट अकाउंट फॉर इट सो दैट इज वेन यू स्टार्ट लिविंग लाइक यू वुड लिव इन द यू एस राइट एंड दैट्स वेन यू रियलाइज दैट यू दोज स्टाइपेंट्स डोंट पे यू एनीथिंग लाइक पवई में तो यू रियली कैन नॉट अफोर्ड एनीथिंग मतलब there's no way you can even pay for your rent in bombay not just in bombay i mean any city any, you go any, I mean, anywhere in bombay for example and again the second layer of difficulty in a place like india is that cities are not commutable basically agar phd karke commute karna hai india mein it's not the same as the west right us mein living condition outside of it like even if i'm taking public transport it's not as back breaking as it is in a place like bombay If I have to say, like, say hypothetically, I am living fifty kilometers away, but then being able to get to the lab at odd times to finish off work, none of that is ever possible. So when people just like, say, hand wavingly just make an argument saying that, बढ़ा दो, privatize कर दो, X Y Z, it's not the same. And the other problem with postdoc salaries in the US again is this that you cannot be employed anywhere else because. postdoc j1 in the us doesn't allow you to be associated or paid by any other means so for in principles if i were to monetize this podcast i cannot like i can't have any other sources of income outside of what my postdoc pays me which is why again it becomes a problem like no that's the only reason we are not monetizing, monetizing this. this yeah abhi tak to matlab chhap rahe the ranveer alawa diya jitna Course, because everybody wants to yeah. know what we're we're thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. But so, I think uh, uh, financial so, side apart, also there are like reasons, like for mental health. Like I think. Yeah, I mean, it all builds up to it, up, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even just to do some productive research, I mean, mm-hmm. you need like full faculties to like function. But how much of it is to do with like? I'll just post a question. Just this idea that. academic pursuits are such philosophical moral high ground wala pursuits and money should never figure in the whole debate so you shouldn't be in it if hmm. uh, you are in it for the wrong reasons i mean even on academic twitter i see a lot of people arguing like when when someone migrates from say tra- makes this transition from academia to industry i very often see academics who have made it in air quotes as if making it is only If you get an academic position, the argument is that I see a lot of young PhDs and postdocs these days uh, getting lured by money and moving away from academia. I never had uh, all of these qualms. I I have a more fulfilling life in academia and all of that. But that's also a selection bias because you made it to a position, right? But my yeah, plus also is, you're probably somebody who's like did their studies in 1960s, 70s. जब मतलब it was dirt cheap to do anything. Yeah. Well, you could just also uh, like um, academia has uh, for uh, for the better. I think um, it's been it's opened up to people from um, more economic classes than it it did in in the 70s and 80s. and so we yeah. have more people for whom uh, who come from say a low income background or from an immigrant background for whom academia is an option and so when they come in and they see uh, the the conditions uh, unka perspective bhi alag hai kyunki for they you know i don't know about you but like uh, for for example um, i uh, because i'm from india i come into academia with no debt i have no academic debt no medical debt and mm. you know it's a fresh start uh, in in many ways and most of my uh, friends who are uh, you know who, who did all of their education in the in the american um, education system they have some amount of student debt or you know if if they've lived long enough medical debt and um, at least one person in in uh, you know is someone who who had to go through bankruptcy because uh, their uh, uh they could not uh, they weren't able to um uh, work around their debt and uh, these are maybe this is something that uh, someone who makes it in academia is has a blind spot for you know how how, how many uh, how many professors in 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 you know, your respective programs have you know tried to have a discussion on um on how people are doing with regard to their student loans 
has there been a discussion on dependents like uh, do do mm-hmm. all of our positions the amount of money uh, the cost of living calculation does it account for people who have children for example and for for most of us it's like if you are a household like a one person single income household no dependents sure mm-hmm. acad- academic amount uh, the amount of money that uh, that a grad student makes it's it's bad but one can push through but uh, i had this uh, interesting discussion which incidentally happened in a in a like a support group for grad students where i pointed out that uh, you know 60k is uh, like uh, how much uh, you know a, a lot of postdoc salaries are are priced at that and you know it 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 can be a real struggle and other grad students in that group were like oh but 60k is a lot of money 60000 is a lot of money <laughs> i'm like <laughs> yeah. yes if you are like what stage if, of life exactly yeah. like you you add two children you add like a couple of dependents uh, who cannot mm. are not allowed to legally work you add like uh, medical expenses uh, you stack on like a mortgage uh, your car payments and and suddenly 60k looks like so so i i, I, I live in the boston area i make 53k okay so What? this is for for boston as a postdoc oh my god and it main to bolunga hi nahi aur ye and it cannot sustain matlab dependent to sustain kar hi nahi sakta matlab in this neighborhood matlab anywhere nearby boston i don't think even if you are a postdoc and you have a dependent both of you have to be postdocs at least at the bare minimum to in order to be able to sustain that's how bad it is yeah and and when just people and we are used to being paid so low that 50k looks like a big number because uske pehle aur bhi kam milta tha so that's that's how you are forced to think and i think part of it is because the entire field glorifies this idea of not having comfort comfort kya matlab sustenance is also considered a luxury basically so it's So I have an anecdote if if you guys I just finish it off so like given the length of an average postdoctoral tenure these days mm. so phd plus postdoc if you continue to be on the academic track it's like at least a 5 year postdoc so like to be very very pragmatic about it it's anywhere between like minimum of 3 years to 5 and some in worst case like say 7 or 8 years for a lot of people the point is that given the av- length of a postdoc these days if you were to pay them even slightly above what they are being paid right now say yes, in a place like boston new york sf these these kind of places at least a 65 70k no one's asking for a six figure salary at that point right so something that can sustain at least two people so I, yeah but even that is being considered as a luxury at this point because you are still accounting for them the way you were 30 years back when a postdoc tenure would have been just a couple of years or maybe even a luxury like fewer postdocs probably i think that's the problem yeah and uh, so i don't know how it works i mean in postdocs do you also get increments every year or is it just years. one okay and if you are an international postdoc in the us the challenges are that you cannot a lot of the alternate sources of funding are not accessible to you so you can only be paid by in most of these cases your department funds or the grants that your advisor has whereas if you are an american postdoc an american citizen a lot of the other routes open up which could pay you more than what the group would pay so right. so a lot of these routes are also shut mm-hmm. yeah like uh, there is a student in uh, that i know who uh, is a golf instructor so they they decided to completely uh, you know opt out of uh, funding within the institution and they they teach at a local golf course and uh, yeah they they get paid like uh, i don't know some 80 dollars an hour for instructions uh, and yeah so that <laughs> sums up everything entirely like if if we are talking about monetizing knowledge transfer um monetizing your uh, your knowledge of golf is going to pay more than monetizing your knowledge of being of of you know your special specialization it's very uh, I, i just realized that yeah that like some of the uh, famous academics that uh, who come to mind stephen hawking or koi bhi bada naam le lo all of them in their time were married men with children <laughs> you know who were working yeah 
in part as uh, PhD uh, scholars and in part as a post-PhD employed person. And they had uh, spouses who in some in some cases were working at uh, you know working minimum wage jobs or working um, administrative jobs which sustained the family until the until the you know, famous person took over with royalty money and and their academic position and this is something that's also uh, like fairly common right like a lot of people who talk about how uh, about academic struggle and who say that uh, you know we should uh, you know, suffering, our suffering is part of our journey and all that bullshit. If, if a lot of them are married to people, uh, you know, or, or are partnered to people who can contribute money to the household uh, it, it, with, uh, with other, other uh, non-academic uh, jobs and also have parents who can every now and then pick up the check. And mo- mo- like most, uh, there are several people in my, in my department, for example, like uh, they don't have to account for things like car payments because uh, uh, their parents realized ki that is something that uh, that they cannot do on their own. And so you have an alternate source which is taking care of certain funding. And uh, it, it, the real question is like, why is it that our institutions would rather invest in things that doesn't that don't really work, like in like mental health support for grad students? rather than things that actually work like emergency funds and um, something like housing security or exactly something. rental support yeah. uh, or or uh, like other programs and it's it's a question that that will come up right like what is the point of uh, hiring people you know who are not going to help you know who who actually cannot make things better for um, for us rather than using that money to do something that's actually useful to us. I think like if, if, as a first time arrival like like in in the US like the, the moment you join get offered a postdoc position for example and moving in from India again it requires a whole lot of privilege to be able to move in because again the again the the deposits that you have to pay for your housing so all of that has to be paid for before you even make a penny from the US, right? And universities don't even account for that because it, on an average, if it's like five to $6,000, the investment before you move in, how is it that you expect an average PhD graduate from India, a freshly graduated person to be able to pay for all of this without even a moving in expense being accounted for? Like, would it be acceptable in industry? Like, would an average any company not be able to like account for this like would it be an acceptable conversation in industry for example how can you be so far off from the reality so like there there are no emergency funds like how can you have a system which doesn't even have emergency funds like what if someone just falls sick and then you can't be like okay the university pays for insurance what beyond that yeah, insurance is just a. I mean, it's it's not really. Uh, it's a bandaid, or it's it's even a legal mandate. Uh, the only reason it's paid is because it's legally required. If there was no, if there was a, if there was no law protecting our health, uh, that would probably not be an option either. And all of this just leads to this fact that then academia becomes just a domain of the extremely privileged from different parts of the world. Even when you talk of diversity, it requires an extreme amount of privilege to be able to even the diversity that you account for also over represents a certain group like you will find more privileged upper caste making it to the us right and in, in the us how many african americans that you find in a typical research group like typically like even among the faculty how do you, how many women do you find in like science faculty like uh, so again funnily like the so we have our group meetings in this very victorian gothic division room okay which has portraits of all like this dumbledore ka office type room hai. Matlab, sara, uh, wood carved structures hai, and then all of these like hand-drawn portraits in the 18th and 19th century us is a one common theme that you'll find is all are like uh, middle-aged and old white men <laughs> essentially that white yeah. so <laughs> what it tells you is that only those who had the privilege as you said could actually make it 
to the top echelons of research and it continues to a large extent the ideas and what's acceptable gets shaped by them because they can afford to have a less than optimal salary and then even then continue to sustain themselves because they have other support systems it isn't really a surprise that like if somebody who's not that privileged comes to academia like finishes their phd and doesn't want to stay in academia because it's so toxic or like it's so difficult to sustain yourself here and this has this has another end of the problem is uh, we are complaining of this fact that okay yahan pe mental health counselor ke bas jaane ke liye bolta hai indian campuses don't even have that oh tumhare dost ne suicide kar liya ओहोहो someone can correct i don't know if it's still the same some of these campuses have rules such as uh, hostel ka net band kar denge 12 baje ke baad because distraction bahut hota hai bachcho amazing we don't even treat grad so, students as adults adults yeah i mean in our in my undergrad in my uh, institute we had so many restrictions on internet i mean youtube you cannot open anything that require streaming video they just like have a complete ban on it and imagine the things that you can learn from youtube i mean obviously it can be used for different other things but i do have an app blocker that blocks youtube so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but sometimes you really need it man i agree i mean i think it's yeah, self imposed is definitely better than institutional <laughs> imposition so i i don't even think like uh, in indian campuses and indian labs in general even in the us for instance like if i am having a bad mental health week how often do like any of you go to your advisor and say that you are having a bad mental health week i have to make up stuff like not well this week down with the flu stuff like that right even then it's still considered to be something which is still a taboo subject right you you might be able to go and talk about it with your counselor but how many advisors because advisors come from a different era right In, in most of these cases and it's still at least in my phd ecosystem i know that for a fact that giving a hard time to a student was considered to be a badge of honor like uh, one of my collaborators would say that aditya you i have given you a hard time so now you have grown as a researcher like that's considered to be actually a fee system tapasya basically Like, किसी ने डिजिटल कैमरा खरीद लिया थोड़ा बहुत पैसा बचा के लाइक दिजिटल ऐसे करके तो मेंटल हेल्थ तो बताना ही नहीं तुम लोग को मतलब बहाना है इट विल बी अ साइन ऑफ वीकनेस बेसिकली लाइक मोस्ट ऑफ द पीपल वोंट गो टू देयर सुपरवाइजर्स टू टेल एनीथिंग आई नो दैट व्हाट लाइक माय सुपरवाइजर वाज लाइक एंड आई वुड वुड हैव नेवर डन दैट बैक इन इंडिया बिकॉज़ देन आई वुड हैव बीन मार्क्ड लाइक दिस इज द वीक वन हियर सो बिकॉज़ लैक ऑफ एम्पैथी इज समथिंग दैट सिंबलाइजेस आवर सोसाइटी इन जनरल Yeah, and in these sort of workplaces, lack of empathy को feature की तरह मना जाता है. Like you have to be ruthless in order to be able to pull off a research career, for example. That's how it's as masculine, toxic masculine as any field can get. True. And yeah, like um, yeah. yeah, there's I don't know if uh, if um, if this is something that that you have faced, but um. have uh, in your institutions ha- has has it ever happened that a acquaintance or somebody you personally knew um decided to take an extreme step because academia was too toxic for them um i mean i know a lot of people who just gave up on academia they they left i mean i i don't know what your definition of extreme is but well um 
as it happens a student suicide uh, happens to be like a pretty significant chunk of uh, yeah. of yeah. of um, you know self inflicted inflicted mm-hmm. deaths that happen in mm-hmm. india and uh, usually when 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 su- student suicide is discussed it's it's in the context of um, competitive exams mm-hmm. and you know at, at the undergrad level but yeah. it it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't really it doesn't mean that people who are you know in in their post grad mm-hmm. uh, post graduate uh, situation like don't suffer from it as well and yeah, it's always been interesting to me how um, how indian academics and academia deal with it yeah, it's it's Because, hmm. I, I, the group dynamics also plays a role right so one is okay the how accessible the pi is for these issues and during a phd there is a second dynamic which is how good your peers are in terms of how you may or how empathetic your peers are right so if you are lucky on that front it works uh, you have a support net if you have an emotional breakdown of sorts you have others in the group who you can vent it out to and stuff like that but then on the flip side i have seen groups which are very hierarchical in india where the senior phd or in rare occasions a postdoc will actually start behaving like a shadow of the phd and they have very rigorous like imposition of hierarchy in the groups like kisi ko bhaiya bulana zaruri hai matlab wahan se shuru hota hai culturally right in india is a society of hierarchies so so then a lot of groups i know of cases where uh, the seniors in the group will actually sabotage other people's research if someone else mm-hmm. is doing better like i have actually seen this happening in Uh, i have seen this in the west also okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. so like because it's consistent because in a research group dynamic everyone wants to look like they are the more productive ones like yeah. who makes point. the more discoveries or who's yeah, yeah. and more. and as it happens like a lot of the work we do like the topics we pick it's serendipitous right like like you might all be equally smart and hmm. just so happens that a direction that you took at that point yields negative results to you and whereas someone else just lucked it out the advisor had an idea at that point and they got lucky yeah, exactly. published earlier like all of these sort of like variability happens in a group but i think at a group level your peers play as much of a role as your advisor does because then if your peers are ultra competitive on top of this which it often tends to be in india then the lab can be a very lonely place and at least my experience that i had was i had a really good peer group system in the group our, our lab was very tightly knit and that worked at least but without that i think it would have been like a very tough five or six years hmm. no i mean i definitely know a lot of people i mean including myself who've been through like uh, phases where it was almost like a, i mean a, a very like you would consider it as like a very dark phase of your life i mean almost like i i know like my 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 own partner was like um, uh diagnosed with depression so uh, and that was completely out of i mean everything else was going on okay but it was just the pressures and the stresses of the academia having a toxic pi a bad lab uh, environment where everybody is like out to like compete with you it's like a some sort of a race so all these things just like build up uh, built up and yeah i mean and microaggressions right like, like like a lot of pis can be have these acts of microaggressions where they eventually like they may not consciously do it but then they're partial towards yeah. one one grad student in the group versus another and and that could be out of the fact that the pi themselves are more comfortable with one research question over the other so that and and most people do not especially men do not have the uh, you know have the ability to admit to this fact that okay this is not an area of expertise for me you picked a challenging research question so they then manifested as these acts of microaggression on the student themselves and all of that basically kills your confidence like at the end of 5 or 6 once you get tenure i mean it's it it doesn't even stop at microaggression it becomes like full full on aggressive aggression towards like your yeah students and your peers so 
Yeah, I, I would share. It. I mean, there is the politics of um, engagement. Uh, well, not politics, but the the um, the effect of people engaging with you negatively. Um, I, I guess what uh, something that I face more is uh, the effect of uh, being left to my own devices, wherein um, I, I the research topic, the 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 focus of my work is not necessarily something that I can get. 100% support from from my particular ecosystem and so i become like the expert in the room except i am still you know a phd student and i'm yeah. so what this translates to is uh, i have to spend my work hours uh, uh, basically failing constantly because uh, mm. i am in the process of learning how to do something that uh, that is going to be trivial for someone with the skill set but something which I don't have uh, the skills at, at the moment. Uh, I also have to spend time over my non-work hours in order to do research or communicate with other people who might be experts in, in the field, uh, but who are not located in my institution and depend on like their free time. Like again, something that they don't really get paid to do, but I have to like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, yeah. And it, it, it creates this, over time i found that this is this is um what life has become like it's just every day go to work uh, do something that you're not really uh, qualified to do but because you're in an academic program you have the quote unquote freedom to do right uh, mm. not being able to do do it exactly right because uh, you know um the process of uh, uh, well for the lack of a better word neglect uh, and and then come back and like see other people have like other academic experiences and at the end of the day you will be told don't compare your experience with other people because everybody has their own journey and one wonders ki you know why uh, how can i not how can i not yeah. if i'm comp- going to compete in the job market with somebody who is mm-hmm. from an institution where uh, you know a better funded institution shall we say or which has a, a more tech focused uh, lab where you know they're able to do uh, they're able to uh, get um, a research output which is going to guarantee them more uh, success in the marketplace a uh, job job marketplace uh, than me uh, how do i how do i you know keep myself grounded or actually have a mental health that can keep me uh, productive when i know that uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I am not in a position to set myself up for success. Right. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's not, um, again, uh, like this is, this is not um, a something that uh, it's not an act of any other, any other person. This is not anyone else who is sabotaging or hurting my, my mental health. It is, it is basically mm-hmm. me having aspirations, me having goals, yeah. but me just not having a trajectory to get to where I want to get. Mm-hmm. And the alternative is, yeah, maybe I should do something that I, at this moment in time, I am qualified to do, but which is going to be pretty useless in uh, two years from now when I graduate from my program. And I will have nothing to show for the fact that I spent five years being paid nothing and uh, working in a foreign country, uh, being completely isolated, isolated, cut off, not having a support system. And what happens at the end of this five years? What do I, what do I have to show for this? Like, for having put my life on hold for five years, which is which is essentially just, what a PhD is, right? You're putting your life yeah. on hold. You are going to not do do things that other people at your age, whatever their economic background is, are doing. There are people who are, you know, buying houses because it's, it, it's something that is the next step. There are people who are having children uh, and, you know, growing their families. There are people taking care of their uh, elderly uh, parents. There are, uh, you know, there's people who are, you know, um, um, have uh, social obligations and uh, processes, which which as a PhD student, uh, and, and I am emphasis on the word student, you just can't do because, you know, your life is on hold for five years or whatever, however much time it takes for you to finish. Yeah. And a lot of what you said, it, I agree. So, 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 for example, a lot of these trajectory defining decisions are non-linear, like, like, like all of these trajectories are like, non-trivial in that sense that and things which cannot be put on a CV for instance if you are in a group and typically if you have a young PI PI would float 
a bunch of these new projects a couple of which would always be things which are outside of their domain of expertise like things which they haven't been trained for in their postdoc right we have five phd students in a group two of them pick or a postdoc picks a topic which the pi isn't an expert on so and you aren't an expert on because mm-hmm. you are again in the formative phase of your life so for example i picked a domain which is a very physics heavy domain with no formal training in physics right so the imposter syndrome that comes with it even if you have published over the years it still persists so yeah, yeah. i'm in a crowd of physicists i can't ever convince myself <laughs> over this fact that i am not a physicist right and then what this leads to is that again you as you said you are starting off from a completely different point whereas you, your peer in the same group might have picked a topic which the advisor is an expert on yeah. and the advisor can then bail you out with what's a sensible question to ask what not a sen- such a sensible question to ask like even from something as basic as a hypothesis then is defined by all of that and at the end of 5 years at the end of 10 years like you have put in so much effort and you probably have reached the delta that you have actually covered from the point where you started it might be a lot more but eventually none of that can be defended on a cv right yeah. so eventually at the end of 5 years it all boils down to that and mm-hmm. and you it's often very lonely like all of these experiences are not the same across even like seven members in a group basically No, no and one might say that why did you not pick the other problem it very often you want to pick a problem based out of ambition out of what feels like a good research question but then very often like as you progress further down the career you then tend all of these things start to define what questions you pick also because there are other existential challenges outside of your domain of research well, you this- never really know right i mean what question you pick how it is going to turn out to be right yeah, and no. even the process of finding answers is such a long process and you don't really want to give up just on the first go right it mm-hmm. it is like a trial and error that happens on over a like long period of time so that takes up a lot of your phd Basically. And a lot of these PIs, right? A lot of PIs want to keep their groups as diverse as possible, yeah, and branch out as far as possible from where they started off, without ever accounting for this fact as to how lonely that experience can be for their the students in the group. So, mm-hmm. but then there have to be other support systems which ensure that these conversations are had, right? So when the student is feeling ill-equipped to handle a challenge. and almost feels like they are not good enough it shouldn't be a judgment on their ability to carry out research and these conversations have to be had among members of the group more to... than members of the group i mean i think it should be also like structural in 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 the universities and in the i mean the whole structure of academia yeah but That's... Uh, this is definitely not the note that uh, we uh, we should end our uh, possibly our last podcast of the year on uh, so i think uh, it is important to acknowledge that um, our struggles are um, very very individualized uh, we do we have we have a silo problem in our um, in our structures but the thing is uh, that all, many of us are probably in that same boat and we may not be there it may not be a department specific uh, thing or a institution specific thing but but there's definitely f- people out there who probably are going through exactly what you are going through or um uh similar and i guess uh you know um there is a hope that um if this podcast does take off uh we do we would like to see this as a not just as a place where three people are talking to each other and many other people are listening to them but as a place where uh, all of you can join us uh, and uh, find a place uh, to talk about what bothers you and um, absolutely yeah that the only reason why we are uh, you know uh, where we have recorded a more vulnerable uh, e- uh, episode than before is because uh, we 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 are going we are casting the net out to see uh, what other ki baki desi log ka kya chal raha hai so uh ha and uh, i mean this will sound uh, a little silly but uh, like uh, a lot of war journalists uh, don't suffer from the same ptsd as a lot of uh, 
combat veterans and one of the reasons for this is that uh, a war journalist has the chance to um, uh, deal with uh, their um, observations and experiences by through the process of reportage and writing and uh, self-expression and mm-hmm. uh, so uh, yeah if uh, if we can make a channel of communication open we hope that all of you will take the opportunity to reach out to us and and talk to us uh, and uh, yes uh, there has been a certain amount of shitting on mental health resources but uh, they do they are they are useful like you know finding the right uh, person who can uh, give you the mental health uh, support that you need is is yeah. very very valuable and i i do not want to downplay that at all it's just uh, it's it's constructive uh, criticism right i mean it, it, the more the better right so we want it to be much more than what it is right now absolutely and, and, and as you said like i think it's also been my experience with generally my research questions itself very often if you are stuck with your research problem it's very likely that someone else would else somewhere else in the world is stuck with the same question yeah. and very often you might have solutions elsewhere if you look hard enough there so so it's you are never that isolated as we tend to think in our phd bubble or in your research bubble absolutely and um, i also cannot uh, overstate the importance of having friends who are not part of academia you know like if your local barista is your friend uh, that they are, they are going to uh, you know co- contribute to your life in ways that uh, that your academic peers cannot uh, i i am part of several uh, meetups that have absolutely nothing to do with academia and uh, one of them the uh, the median age is uh, i think 55 or 60 and uh, it's just uh, been very good to talk to people who have been through life and who have you know uh, struggled with uh, poverty and life issues uh, but in a in in a different context and are in a position where they've kind of overcome it and uh, you know are in a more comfortable place so uh, yeah please please uh, you know if your uh, if your support system uh, does not include uh, people who are not part of academia uh, please consider uh, it and uh, i don't know we we, we personally uh, you know we are all in different cities and so um, we might not be able to give specific uh, examples or but uh, hopefully we can uh, do a f- future episode on how to make friends when you are a sad phd student and <laughs> without going we might need some experts i don't know yes we need more experts on on how to make friends <laughs> we are very lonely people <laughs> i swear i'm talking to someone who is in another country <laughs> because <laughs> just let this be a See, testament to academic loneliness <laughs> how good we are yeah, exactly yeah, on, so uh, on that please note, connect with us on our socials for sure and um, so before we end uh, um, do you have recommendations uh, for our listeners so i have one reasonably sensible recommendation the other is uh, i am reading this autobiography by shane won so i think that's a uh, that's a book i would recommend but on another book that i finished last month was this book called the empires of the indus i think that's something i would highly recommend uh, not something that i read recently been a month and a half it's about uh, this british journalist who goes all along the indus river and traces back the history of the place and starts off from so it starts off in karachi sindh and sounds interesting of pakistan it talks of all the history of the slave trade in that region which is less discussed less slave trade which which happened in the orient right that's nice. a good read yeah i've been reading a, like a a book called um, it it was recommended to to me through um, amazon um, but uh, not a bad recommendation for once uh, it's a book called word word slut a feminist guide to taking back the english language uh yeah i was reading it because uh, i needed some lay person uh, arguments for why uh, you know the use of uh, expletives and quote bad words is uh, you know maybe yeah. a useful uh, tool for reclaiming language mm-hmm. and it's been a pretty riveting read and um, i i highly recommend it um so on the topic of mental health uh, i also um, there's a book that's been suggested to me by a lot of people and i'm i'm so far i've read the first chapter it's called uh, laziness does not exist uh, by devon price uh, it's a pretty good book uh, 
uh, that uh, and to that that might be useful to understand uh, the feeling why we feel overwhelmed and um, you know how this interacts with uh, with with the way we are trained to um, deal with uh, high pressure situations mm-hmm. and um, being overworked and uh, yeah, I, I found it pretty useful so far. Um, with everything that's been going on with my life these days, I'm not reading much, but I, a friend of mine gifted me a, a, a Vivek calls bad money. And I mean, at first I didn't really uh, read it because I don't really like money matters or economics that much, but it, it is a very good read. It, I, I'm halfway through it. And the best part of that book is that it's not technical. So the, the good thing about Vivek Call is that he writes everything like how a science communicator writes uh, highly technical scientific things to a layman. That, that's how he writes his uh, the, the economic uh, stories and economic issues in a very layman language. So yeah, I mean, I liked it and I would recommend everybody to read it. Uh, thank you, Vatsal. And um... We hope you continue to listen, um, and we, we hope that uh, one day we can we can bring you uh, to us uh, like on our platform as well. And on that note, bye uh, uh, bye, and uh, I hope you have a wonderful week wherever you are. And uh, thank you. Happy holidays. Mm-hmm.